Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been 10, 20, 30, 40 years since my last confession. I do not know of any priest who does not find these words to be the beginning of the most beautiful, heartfelt confessions a priest is privileged to hear. And I need to state, to hear confessions is a privilege. When someone who's been absent from the church for a long time unburdens himself or herself, the first question I ask is, why are you here? The usual replies are, I want to come back to the church. I want to wipe the slate clean. I want to square up with God. I want to tell him that I'm sorry for my sins, and so on. And I tell them that while I have absolutely no doubt of their sincerity, those are not the real reasons for coming to confession. And I ask them, to try again. And when they no longer have anything to say, I tell them that the fundamental reason they have come to confession, the reason why I or any Catholic or Orthodox Christian goes to confession is simple. We have laid down our arms. We have stopped rebelling and we have chosen to surrender to the mystery of the divine love we were immersed in, in our baptism. We just heard Jesus tell us a wonderful story. The younger son did something unthinkable. He demanded his share of his father's estate while his father was still alive something Jesus' audience would have found utterly reprehensible. But even more bizarre is the father actually gave in to the request. The young man spent his wealth on all the pleasures that the world could afford him. And in time, he found himself destitute, reduced to caring for what? Swine, pigs something a Jewish audience would have found revolting. Now our translation reads that he hired himself out. I don't like it. The Greek word is ekolithi, which means to be glued, welded together, to adhere, to attach oneself to, to unite with the young man glued himself, welded himself, adhered, attached himself to the values of the world. And for all the wonderful temporary pleasures the world afforded him, he found himself in a very dark place. We are always in a very dark place when we weld ourselves, attach ourselves, glue ourselves to the values of the world. He became so hungry, he desired to eat what? The pods that the swine fed on. And notice, that was the best the world was going to give him. 
nothing in this world can ever fully satisfy us. Jesus deliberately left out any detail of how long it took for the young man to come to his senses. While the consequences of his choices, hunger and poverty, initiated his conversion, what pushed him over the edge? It was the memory of his father's love that was so generous, so inclusive, it took in even the household servants. Love is always calling us back to our true dignity. This now repentant son saw himself unworthy to be called a son and made his way back to his father's house. The journey from self-centered greed to falling into sin is the easiest journey we can ever make. Rarely are there obstacles. The journey home, the journey to reconciliation, requires the labor of honest self-examination and the sweat of humility. Now the father's response was intriguing. Jesus tells us that, that while he, the younger son, was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. The father had been on the lookout all this time, hoping his son would return. The father could not force the son to return. The father has infinite respect for his son's free will. All the father could do was wait and be on the lookout. Jesus' use of the word compassion is interesting. The root word translates as the chief intestines, the viscera, the affections of the heart at the core of a person, telling us that it pleases God in the very depths of his being when we surrender the insanity that our sins create and we return to him. But Jesus goes further. He tells us the father, what? Ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. The father wouldn't even allow his son to finish his well-rehearsed apology. That the father ran would have shocked Jesus' audience because in those days it was considered undignified, demeaning for an older, revered person of high stature to run. But it tells us that God runs at us at breakneck speed. The second, the nanosecond, we turn back to him. That the father embraced his son and kissed him would have shocked the religious snobs who probably thought the young man should have been shunned for his disgraceful behavior. You made your bed, now lie in it. And yet Jesus' story grows more bizarre. The father ordered his servants to cover his restored son in the finest robe, a reference to the garment of salvation and righteousness in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10, to put a ring on his finger, most likely a signet ring that marked the wearer as a member of the family, as in the prophet Haggai chapter 2, verse 23. 
to put sandals on his feet as a sign of his restoration to the family. Family members always wore sandals in the house. Slaves were always barefoot. And sacrificed the fattened calf, an extremely expensive animal to produce, normally reserved for sacrifice in the temple or to feed at a wedding feast. The son's repentance restored him to the love that never stopped loving him. A love that never stops loving us. Now Jesus could have ended the story here, but he didn't. He added a twist. The reaction of the older son to his brother's restoration to the family. How many here are the oldest in the, uh, of their siblings? Isn't it true we're usually the best? Hmm? Okay. He's bitter, resentful, angry, all of which are toxic to the soul, and if left unchecked, are capable of throwing one into hell. He railed against his father with charges of having been neglected, overlooked despite all the many years of hard work, always obeying his orders. And he felt compelled to remind his father of his brother's sins, as if to say, I didn't do those things. But the truth is, the older brother's transgressions the way he treated his father, his unwillingness to forgive, were as much acts of rebellion against his father's love as were the sins of his younger brother. Jesus' audience would have been horrified by the manner in which the older son spoke to his father. It deserved punishment. Jesus, however, shows how the father's love was great enough to embrace the older son as well, forgive the harsh words, and reassure him of his love for him, and that his younger brother's return was a cause for rejoicing, for he returned from death to life, from the curses that his sins created to the blessings of repentance. You will notice that Jesus does not tell us how the older brother responded. Did he accept his father's love for him or not? Did he go to the feast or not? Did he receive his younger brother or not? What would you have done? What would I have done? You see, sometimes our sins are not as blatant as those of the younger son, but are rather the quiet, hidden sins covered with a mask of respectability like those of the older son. But they are just as dangerous, just as rebellious, and just as deadly if we do not allow our Father and his love to heal them.